Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring in the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. JT Van Gilder is here with us. JT, how was game one? It was great. Great atmosphere. Uh, fans showed up. Players showed up. Uh, we got uh, vanilla offense. But uh, other than that, pretty excited. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk some more about that later. But obviously this week, you know, first really interesting game coming up. We are suspending the Unholy Alliance for a week. K-State versus Missouri. But we brought on Rock I'm Nation's football editor and podcaster, Nate Edwards. Nate, how you doing? Doing good, guys. Thanks for bringing me on. Yeah, I'm really excited about this game. I know Mizzou also did not have a really competitive first game beating up on Louisiana Tech. But, you know, what were your thoughts on that game? How Mizzou Man, like, you just, you know, when you have a game like that, you know, just win. First and foremost, just win. And, you know, last year we opened up with Central Michigan, and that was a lot tighter game than I think anybody really wanted. So the fact that Missouri put up 52 and really only gave up 10 to the first offense there for Louisiana Tech. Huge difference from last year. You know, if you think about building a team, which Eli Drinkwitz has been doing for the past three years, you know, the old adage is that you start by losing big, then you lose small, then you win big, or we win small and then you win big, right? And this was a this was a win big scenario. I covered the spread, beaten by almost 30. You know, there are things to not like, but overall, this was just a much more athletic team than their counterparts, which we really haven't been able to say the past couple of years. And they just they just crushed them. It was incredible. And our defense last year was a joke. And it's certainly not the case now. Our offense, you know, last year it was just Tyler Beatty left right up the center and we had no other options. And now we got some options. So it, it was very surprising to see how good this team can be or how athletic this team can be. But, you know, like you said, now you got a real opponent. Uh, and you all get to play at home while we're playing on the road. So it's going to be a really interesting matchup. 
Yeah, and, and you mentioned Tyler Beatty. It must have been good to see the running game look so great in the first game without him. It looked like Mizzou coaches were just kind of letting anybody and everybody get curious who looks good. But who do you expect to be the guys getting the ball this weekend? Well, so Cody Schrader uh, was the guy who got the most uh, most carries last week with 16. Uh, now, he is a uh, transfer from Truman State, which you two probably know, being Missouri adjacent, but that's in Kirksville, uh, Kirk Vegas. Uh, D2 team, and he led the entire country last year, all of college football in rushing yards with over 2,000. So he comes in, and he was the only one who wasn't injured during fall camp, so he got the start. And he really didn't do much with it. I mean, he yeah, got his average was not good. Great. He got 69 yards, 16 carries. That's 4.3 yards per carry. But his success rate was 37%, which was, of everybody, the lowest. And then we're talking even about the backup running backs. And his line yards per carry were 1.9. Whenever the average was 2.9, most of the guys like Pete and Cook and Cox were getting at least three. So he did not do a very good job of running through contact, breaking through contact. He needed a wide open lane to get his 17 or 20 yard rushes. Nathaniel Pete on the other end, the Stanford transfer, that dude created his own space. Like he got to the outside, he could take a hit and keep going. And if he had a clear space, uh, he had the nitrous and he was gone. So if I had to guess, Nate Pete is going to be the starter and he must be the worst practice player of all time because he could not see the field at Stanford and he didn't get the start at Mizzou. But man, when he was out there, it was night and day of who running back one should be. Mm -hmm. And was that, I mean, kind of the expectation before you said he was one of the guys that got hurt in, in fall camp? Yeah. I mean, we fully expected for him to, sh to come in and win the job. And if it wasn't him, it was going to be Elijah Young, who's been kind of our career backup the past two years. But both of them were kind of injured off and on. And like I said, Cody Schrader was the only one who wasn't. So it was like, okay, well, we know what Cody is, and we're going to, we're going to put him out there. And it's a cool story. Like, it's, it's great. He's from St. Louis. He went to Truman State, came here. Like, he got the starts. He got his yards. He got a touchdown. Like, it was a cool story. But, you know, stories don't win games. Talent wins games. And it was very clear that the ceiling of his talent is lower than everybody else's. And whether they're injured or not, you know, it's, it's going to be Nate Pete, if I had to guess. And maybe that's the old okey-doke that Drinkwitz is giving that Coach <laughs> Klein. But I would fully expect him to get the majority of carries this week. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, I mean, I'm sure Coach Kleiman was doing some of the same things last week with, with his offense, not trying to do too much. So and we'll, we'll get into that a little later. But Mizzou's offensive line also has, you know, has a lot of guys returning. You know, how do those guys look and what do you expect from them this season? Yeah, I, we weren't super impressed, frankly. Our right tackle last year, Hyron White, he had a lower leg injury suffered in spring. And like the rumors, basically, he's going to miss all of the season. So in his place is a Juco uh, named Zeke Powell, who started in 20, did okay, was a spot, uh, got some spot starts in, in 21. But now he's the guy on the right edge. And then from our center, we, we lost Mike Maietti, who's an all-SEC center. Uh, he's in the NFL now. And we brought in this guy from Buffalo named Bensi Polgar. Well, he did not academically qualify for some reason. So we are turning to a freshman named Connor Tolleson out of Jackson, Missouri. And he's a redshirt freshman, I guess. He's had a lot of rave reviews about what he can do at the same time he's a freshman. So, like, calling out protections, making sure that everyone's got their assignment, finding the mic, that sort of thing. Like, he's got a lot of experience around him, but he's the guy making those calls. And he's done a good, decent job. But, like, offensive line where it's not opening holes like they used to. And maybe that was just Tyler Beatty was able to find stuff that Pete and Schrader and Young can't. But for the fact that we got like 330 yards on the ground, it didn't seem like a very satisfactory 330 because it was a lot of like three yards, three yards, four yards, three yards. Then you'd bust a 25. Then you get a 17. Yeah. Then it was three. So 
it's tough to tell because again, Schrader got the majority of the carries, and I don't expect that to be the case. But the offensive line seemed okay. And when you're going against a power five team like Kansas State with the caliber of defense that you have, okay is is just not gonna cut it. Right. And JT, obviously we saw a lot of good things from the K-State front seven. I know my dad was just raving about the speed on that defense. You know, how much of that did you see in person? Well, I mean, it was a, kind of a pick your poison night for South Dakota. I mean, either you had Felix Sanudike, Uzama, you know, coming off the edge and they're basically, you know, risking holding every single play. Like, like not just, you know, there's that edge, like you could call holding every play, but no, like legitimately, like he was getting held just about every play and they could have called it every time, or he was going to, you know, get a hit on the quarterback or you, you double team Felix and you know, you, you let one of the, you know, let Nate Matlack on the other end, you know, r- let him run free. Or there was the, the one real sweet play where the nose guard, Eli Huggins, he put on a, uh, a really sweet spin move and just went right past the center. And so they, you know, South Dakota really, they basically would have needed to keep six in the box, you know, or in the pocket all times to be able to, to block even just our front three. Now, I presume that Missouri, without seeing them, Missouri's O-line should be little bit more up to the task of handling a, a three-man front but the way they're able to to throw in Khalid Duke and some of the other guys occasionally on like you know the exo- more exotic blitz packages and stuff they should still be able to put some pressure on Missouri's quarterback and on the running backs at the line of scrimmage but I don't expect them to be able to have quite the same success that they did against South Dakota. Yeah and what do you think of Khalid Duke in his first game back from the ACL injury? I thought he played super well. I was surprised, and I think many were, that he started and, and played as many snaps as he did. That it, it had seemed kind of cagey about it whole time, you know, leading up to, to the game. Even um, just in the last week, they're like, "Well, what, you know, he'll play." And he was listed as the backup on the depth chart, and, and then all of a sudden, he, he trots out there on the first snap, and then he plays, you know, a, a majority of the first string snaps at that Sam linebacker spot. So treating it more of a rush in. And I, I don't think they were as worried about, you know, South Dakota's receivers and they were able to, you know, leave corners and safeties more one-on-one with uh, receivers and tight ends and don't need that extra, the sixth safety and actually were able to have a true third linebacker. So hopefully, you know, he'll be able to still see that time against Missouri, but you know, they've got some more dynamic playmakers that I'm sure Nate will talk about. So we may end up having to see uh, a sixth safety there in that same linebacker role instead of as much Khalid Duke as we would like. Yeah, and Mizzou's got a lot of dudes at wide receiver. We'll get to those in a second. But first of all, I mean, how do you think Brady Cook is going to handle, you know, hopefully what K-State fans hope is going to be a lot of pressure and in that road atmosphere for the first time? I mean, he's a lot more mobile than our last guy. So uh, <laughs> you are you are very sad that you don't have Connor Bays like taking snaps. Um, one legged wonder. Um, he just, you know, Brady did a really good job of recognizing the pressure. So like, if the downside was that the offensive line was not very good at pass protect, the upside is that Brady Cook was very alert of where that the the pressure was coming from. There's twice that he actually. Did that drill? We know our quarterbacks like practice like spinning and then turning around and throwing. He actually did that in the game, which I feel is really rare to see. Uh, the first one, he actually just ended up running for about seven yards. The second one, he threw an absolute dart down the sideline to Dominic Lovett. But he's he's really good at picking it up. He had a linebacker blitzing right in his face, and uh, he just stepped in 20 yards for a touchdown. So he is 
much better at running, much more willing and much more able to run than our last guy. You know, from a passing standpoint, yeah, he underthrew a couple of guys, put a little too much mustard on Luther Burden and it popped up and that was his interception for the game. But he, for the most part, he made pretty good decisions, had good control. He, he seemed like very cool, very calm commander of the offense. So like, that was really cool to see. He is not going to win anybody any games. He will mostly avoid the dumb mistake that, you know, younger quarterbacks are going to make. And based off of, you know, fall camp, like drink with like a weekend, he's like, oh yeah, this is our guy. So this is it. <laughs> like Jack Abraham, the Mississippi State <laughs> transfer might see some time, but it seems like a pretty noticeable drop off from Brady. And that's fine. As long as he's healthy, he did enough to impress me, even though some of the fan base was curious why he wasn't throwing for 300 yards and 50 touchdowns in the first <laughs> Well, it's funny you say that because there was definitely an argument among Kansas State fans of whether Adrian Martinez was terrible or whether it was just the coaches not telling him to take risks. Man, what was it, <laughs> so, like 15 passes total for the game? Like, was that you just yeah. cooking on the ground or were you actually trying to throw it at any point? Uh, I mean, JT, there was one, one shot, like one downfield okay. shot that ended up Philip Brooks couldn't go make the catch. The ball was in a perfect position, but he just couldn't make the catch. And otherwise, well, it so was all just checkdowns. My dad said on the replay, and I, I didn't notice, but but he said that the the, the defender grabbed Phil Brooks's arm. Yep. So he yeah, was it was about a half second catch. early. There was yeah. some contact there. He, he probably still could have made it, but there was definitely contact there. But either way, like the ball was in the in the spot. So that one time they tried a downfield pass, it probably would have worked. But yeah, they yeah. they pretty much just didn't throw anything past ten yards. It was just we're gonna dink and dink and dink and because we can beat you with one arm tied behind our back and we're yeah, not going like, to put anything useful on film for Missouri to prepare for. Sure. But like a climbing offense yeah. is not really predicated on the deep ball. You know, is that something True. that they want to do with Adrian Martinez, even though that's not really something that he's known for, or is it just like, no, he y'all can run the triple basically and, and, and run us out of the, the stadium. And the passing is just secondary at this point. Well, I mean, from my perspective, it's, you know, Colin Klein's the offensive coordinator now and, he didn't throw a lot of deep balls, but he threw enough to keep defenses honest. And I think that's right. probably the idea with Adrian as well. When he comes out of that classic Bill Snyder offense where there was a lot of, it was either like deep routes or very short routes. And mm-hmm. like, there was no like middle crosses or, you know, like 10 yard slants. Like it was either a go route or I'm going to throw the ball for five yards and then hopefully the receiver is going to get it. So there's got to be some of that in there. But I think Colin's a little bit more open to doing some different things. So I know he's read, you know, like Andy Reid's stuff and really likes what's going on out there. So like he's he's going to be a little bit more willing to adjust, I think, to what the needs of the game are and what he's got, what pieces he's got. So we'll see. I, I have to assume that Adrian's going to have to throw more against Missouri to open things up. Like I, I was saying in our comments after the game you didn't see a lot of the even more interesting route packages that we saw against lsu in the liberty bowl where running you know two tight ends out as receivers and running deuce in the flat like they just it was very straightforward everybody's running a basic route nobody's really trying to not picks but you know trying to open things up so it was definitely very very simplistic for what i think for what we've seen, Colin Klein's offense was capable of against against LSU. Yeah. On the other interesting thing that kind of riled fans up a bit was the backup Jake Rubley came in 
and actually threw a pass into a tight window and had a really nice completion. So that was a sweet like, well, pass. <laughs> yeah, so why can't Adrian Martinez do that? Maybe Ruby should be starting, which is hilarious during week one. But, you know. Was, the same kid who on the drive before turned the wrong way. <laughs> Everybody else went right. He turned left. I'm like, oh, crap. And managed to not lose any yards. But it's like, yeah, yeah he's still very clearly a, a freshman that needs some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, yeah, so let's talk about the Missouri Zebras a little bit, though. Obviously, you know, Luther Burden is getting a lot of the headlines, the big five-star freshman. You know, you've got some other young guys, Dominic Cook and Mookie Cooper. You know, is Burden living up to the hype, and how much help does he have out there? Oh, my God, yeah. he, he uh, I think he, he surpassed the hype. He somehow surpassed the hype, which is both awesome and, and dangerous. You know, the craziest thing is that if you pull up that, you know, if you pull up the stat sheet and you look at it, you go, okay, four catches, 17 yards. And then, uh, you know, three rushes for 26 yards. But what, what's the deal? Well, it's, it's not so much what he did in the numbers. It's how he got there. Brady threw kind of a terrible duck uh, to the sideline and he fought through the DB, caught it with his hands up, came back to the ball, then spun through two pieces of contact and turned it into 12 yard game. We're like, what, what was that? <laughs> there was one he caught, he caught in the flat on the eight and then just ran through contact, absorbed a hit shook off another one and then plowed over two dudes into the end zone. So like it's, you've not seen that before from this wide receiving core, probably in the past seven years. And so, yeah, he didn't do much from a yardage standpoint, but the impact he had both from a receiver and as a wildcat quarterback was incredible. You know, Dominic Lovett is working from the slot. And so and he has, that is his natural position. And he was just thriving on Thursday night. He finished up uh, with eight targets, six catches, and 76 yards. Like This was a Dominic Lovett that we just did not see last year, and he's so much more comfortable. Past that, you know, Towski Dove is a, is a seasoned vet. Bannister is always a third-down guy, converts basically every third down that we throw to him. And Mookie Cooper didn't really get super involved uh, in the game on Thursday, and I know he was a little frustrated about that. But also Luther Burden was keeping on those jet sweeps. So like he just needed it to play all that much. This is the most athletic receiving core we've had in a very long time. They're all very, very young, but we have not seen this collection of athleticism in quite some time. So if Brady can get it to them, they can, they can do some work. And uh, yeah, we're very excited about it. Yeah. So that's not like Burden's the type of guy you're going to find some creative ways to, to get him the ball. Yeah, he's also a hell of a punt returner. Like they didn't let him do it against yeah. Louisiana Tech, and we're very sad about that. But against you know, in, in St. Louis, he re- he returned like thirteen punts for touchdowns. It's a it's a city record. He's just you get him in space, he's dynamic, and and I, he's just he can't be hit, he can't be touched. He slips through everything and, and bowls you over if you try to square him up. So I can't wait to see him do it. And I can't believe he plays for Missouri. It's it's a really very cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, actually, JT, that was one thing I was a little bit alarmed by how well South Dakota was able to do on some of those kickoff returns, hopefully. Yeah, there was there up. was broken contain at least twice, and and that's scary for a K-State team that, you know, program that, that prides itself on kick and punt return coverage. Not just returns, but coverage as well. And to see a couple from a school like South Dakota, and you're like, whoa, that's maybe alarming. <laughs> and hopefully they're just, you know, not it's it's just first game you know rust hopefully fingers crossed <laughs> knock on wood yeah <laughs> but i mean how do you think nate i mean this so many young guys on this offense you know if k-state's able to come out and, and punch them in the mouth put a couple touchdowns up get the crowd really going how do you think the mizzou guys will respond 
I mean, again, it's a very it's a very young team, so I, we're not totally sure how they're going to respond. You know, Louisiana Tech went up relatively quickly by three, and then at home, you know, we scored fourteen in like a minute or two minutes. So yeah, unclear. You know, between the transfers on defense and the youngsters, kind of really not sure how they're going to react. Uh, I can tell you that Eli Drinkwitz does not do very well away from home. I think he's won one game on the road <laughs> in conference. So it's, you know, he doesn't have the best results there. So, yeah, I, it's tough to tell. I like to think that, you know, talented athletes know how to compensate on the road, how to, how to deal with operating from a loss. But until you get into that position, it's really tough to tell. And, you know, Drink tends to get into a bunker mentality when he gets stressed out or freaked out. And that's just not going to cut it uh, against K-State. So, he needs to get better. The offense needs to get better, and and you know the players got to figure out what that is. Because yeah, this is not this is not Louisiana Tech. As much as we want to play them every single game, uh, this is going to be a, a much tougher test. And I like to think they're prepared, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. And so now we'll switch over to the defense. But first, take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, Mizzou's defense, I mean, I don't know if any any other unit did as well in the transfer portal as they did bringing in so many guys from big schools, you know, from North Carolina, from Clemson, Oklahoma State, Auburn, Florida. Uh, you know, how much of an impact do those guys have in week one? And, you know, how, what do you expect from them going forward? I mean, at one point, uh, I turned over to my, my friend Adam. We were at the game. I'm like, are all of our best defensive players transfers? Because it's like, you know, between Tyron Hopper from Florida and Christian Williams from Oregon. You know, and Joseph Charleston from Clemson, like they were the ones that were making the plays. And that, that was a little facetious because we still have Trajan Jeffco, a little, we still have Isaiah McGuire, still have Martez Manuel. But man, like Tyron Hopper, that is the fastest linebacker we have had since Nick Bolton. He was currently a Kansas City Chief and doing quite well. You know, from a defensive, from the interior of the defensive line, night and day from last year. You know, they were, they were creating pressure. They were getting, you know, they're slipping through their blocks. They're hitting the quarterback. They're getting their hands up. They swatted away a couple passes. Like we just, you just didn't see that last year. Most of my, most of the time our defensive tackles were, you know, five yards down the, down the field and getting wiped out. So it was refreshing to see that. And then just an active secondary, you know, last year, both last year and the year before our defenses tend to be pretty passive. Uh, you know, they either play shell or they play, you know, single high safety man coverage. And there wasn't a lot of like action or activity or aggression. And man, but Baker loves havoc, loves disruption. And he was sending dudes and they were flying all over the field and they were getting their hands up and they knew, okay, pop up here. I'm going to be right here. Like they were prepared. They were aggressive. And it was, it was so awesome to see. And it was powered by those transfers. So, you know, I don't know how long they're going to be here or, or what kind of impact that's going to be. But you want to talk about upgrading the talent on a unit that really needed it. Drinkwitz and his staff did a great job doing that. And I, I can't believe it. I feel confident in my defense, which I haven't been able to say for the past three years. Yeah, and then you talked about Tyron Hopper. You've also got a Tyrone Hopper, right? I mean, that's almost like the the Thunders, yeah, the Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams. How do you? I mean, differentiate we call guys? him the Doctor because he's a seventh okay. year, and he's I, okay. I, I mean, he could be getting his doctor's degree, but uh, yeah, the Hopper, the Elder, and Hopper, the Younger. The Elder plays defensive line. He's more of a rotational piece. Uh, he okay. got some action on Thursday, but Hopper, the Younger, is definitely going to be the NFL 
guy, and he was the one that made a huge impact on Thursday. Yeah, okay. And then just the, the Mizzou defensive line. I mean, obviously, Missouri's got a history of having some great defensive ends, and they've got some guys there this year. You know, how much pressure do you expect them to be able to apply, Martinez? I mean, that's the thing about Martinez, man. Like, he's really good at running the ball and being elusive, but scrambling quarterbacks like to also run into sacks. Uh, <laughs> Isaiah McGuire is is a more patient kind of rush end. He is the one that kind of, you know, he's not read and react completely, but he's really good at generating pressure and then, like, moving to where he needs to be. Trajan Jeffco is kind of like your hair on fire, you know, Viking warrior that just blitzes the heck out of you. So, I, you know, I think Adrian's skill set – in this offense is that he's not going to be put in a position where he can, he's going to get smacked by a defensive end. Like I just, I just don't think that's going to be the case, but these two defensive ends are pretty dang good. And not only that, but you're going to have now the pressure up front by Christian Williams and Jalen Jernigan, Darius Robinson, you know, again, it was Louisiana tech, but like they were able to generate a lot of pressure and it, it seems like it's getting, finally all the pieces are getting put together to kind of have a comprehensive defensive line. Whereas years past we've had a guy or two, but not like a whole package that could that could bring something that where the Huffins couldn't just simply you know compensate and guard one guy, double team one guy, and then let everybody else just play with themselves. So you know it was refreshing to see. And again, it's one game. You don't want to overreact over one game, but just seeing the difference, seeing the athletic difference between this year and last year, makes me feel like yeah, you know if, if Martinez needs to throw, head on a swivel, man, because these guys are pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then. I mean, JT, of course, we know Adrian Martinez uh, and Nebraska was got pretty used to pressure and having to run for his life. Uh, there, there were some times on Saturday where he just had a ton of time to throw. And, and this is a weird question to ask, but do you think he was ever uncomfortable having that much time? That I did make that comment during the game was like, well, maybe he's got too much time. You know, he spent the last <laughs> four years literally running for his life from the moment the ball was snapped. And now he's got time. I mean, he's got the time he needs, five, six seconds which is, you know, what you would expect to throw the ball. And yeah, it's like, now I get to sit there and I get a look and I get a look. And I think for some of those guys, you know, the more they sit there and look, the more they sit there and think about it, the worse that those windows look like if you've got to, if you've got to get that ball out within, you know, a couple seconds, you know, even, even a tight little window is going to look massive because like, well, I see the guy, I'm going to try to throw that ball. But if you've got, five seconds to sit there and you go, no, that one's not good. And look at the next guy like, no, that one's not good. And, and, you know, and you can get through the progression and you're like, well, now I got to take off and run because nobody really is open, even though I probably could have made a throw. So, you know, I'd like to see how he, he handles a little bit more pressure. I South Dakota was getting a decent amount of pressure, nothing too crazy. They did get a couple of good sacks in, but most of them were, were definitely coverage sacks. And I, I really worry about K-State wide receivers finding some holes to exploit against a much more talented Missouri secondary than what they saw against South Dakota. So he may have to be more of that gunslinger that he was at Nebraska instead of trying to play it a little, play it safe like he did in in game one. And it seems like Mizzou, they've got some new guys at corner. I mean, how much should we be worried if if these K-State receivers can't get open in in like single coverage against these (laughs) cornerbacks? I mean, our number one corner was our our nickel corner last year. So he's still kind of getting used to playing on the outside. His battery mate is Ennis Rakestraw Jr., who was a, a Alabama wanted him really bad, and we got him. That was one of the, like, the biggest wins of, of the early Drinkwitz era. They're both pretty good. The corner that stood out the most, though, was Graydon Norwood, who was a transfer in from Texas A&M. 
He was a quarterback his senior year of high school. He played a corner at AM last year for a handful of snaps. Then he shows up on campus and is just like making <laughs> fast breaks and disruptive plays all over the place. So, you know, they are very young. None of our corners have a sophomore designation. Or they're all younger than that. So experience is kind of the telltale of like, are you any good when you play in the secondary? And all of our guys are really young. But again, it goes back to like, there's a lot of athletic potential here. You know, if you're not getting open against uh, Chris Seedham's drain, like I get that. He's he's actually pretty good at former receiver, current corner. He's pretty good at locking stuff down. Rake Straw is still coming back off of an injury. Norwood is still pretty new at the position. So I don't know if you can't get open. I don't you're probably going to catch a few. You're probably going to get shut down a few. But it's our it's our safeties, our three safeties. It's free safety, strong safety, and the star position. Those guys are really good. <laughs> and so, like they had they had one breakdown against the ones on Thursday when they gave up a big pass. But other than that, like they are pretty tight on on pass coverage too. So yeah, I don't I don't know. I I think K State at its best is always just run, run, play action pass, run. <laughs> and like, <laughs> right. you know, you're probably going to lure, you could probably lure a couple of these guys into a sense of uh, sleepiness and, and hit them over the top. But uh, I don't know. I think, I think it's going to be a pretty even matchup from an athletic standpoint in regards to the, the passing game with K-State. Yeah. And of course, we've been talking about Adrian Martinez and his receivers, but we know that Mizzou defensive coordinator Blake Baker, the guy he's going to be most worried about stopping is Deuce Vaughn. Uh, so what do you think they'll drop and how do you think they'll be trying to stop that guy? Uh, that's always going to be the toughest part, man. I don't know. Missouri really didn't get to test its running defense last week. Louisiana Texas air raid team. They only ran it 19 times and they were terrible at it. So we really haven't seen what that's going to look like. The counter to Deuce Vaughn is going to be Tyron Hopper. He is just, he is, he's, a, he's an enforcer. And not only that, but our inside linebacker, Chad Bailey, he's a tackle machine as well. And he's, he's been really good. He really came on last year and then had another good game this year. So, you know, it's going to be scheming and luck, right? like get, get in the right position and hope you can bring the guy down, which is you know, a lot easier said than done. You know, you've already gone against an SEC defense and you lit him up last year. So I'm not totally sure how we're going to do, but Deuce Vaughn scares the heck out of me. I'm sure it scares the heck out of Blake Baker. And because the Tigers haven't really been tested in their own defense, couldn't tell you. Maybe you go for 100, maybe you go for 50, maybe you go for 250. You know, it's just kind of all on the table based off of how good he is and, and how much uh, room this defense actually needs to grow. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. I don't know about you, JT, but I'm taking. And no, no disrespect to Tyron Hopper or anybody else, but I'm taking Deuce Vaughn versus everybody in the open field in terms yeah. of one on one. Yeah, if you give that guy any sort of room, he's he's going to make you pay. And uh, I mean, we've we've seen that all over the place. So it's it could be interesting. I'm more interested to see what he does, like on the screen passes, uh, you know, to Missouri's linebackers and safeties, and I am even just him running out of the backfield where he's, he's still, you know, very electric. So. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, it was cool to see Gins get in there and do some things too. How much of him do you think we'll see against Missouri? I think we'll see him some more in like short yardage packages and stuff. He's a much bigger running back than Deuce. I mean, Deuce is five, six and he, I mean, he's listed at 175 pounds. Maybe he's that, but I wouldn't trust it. But Giddens is, is a true, he's like six, one, you know, 200 pounds, like, like he is a true big running back. And that's something we haven't had in quite a while. What I loved about him was he doesn't dance. Like he hit that, he got his, you know, his assignment, you know, where, what hole we're, we're going to, he hits that hole and runs. I mean, there's, there's no, like, should I try to take a step and bounce it outside? Should I, you know, no, he's getting that ball. He is running through that hole. He's going to get 10 yards. 
and that's that's pretty pretty nice to see. So that's that's where I, I you know I think we'll we'll see him not maybe as much as we did against South Dakota, but definitely in those you know it's it's third and one or it's you know goal to go and we're going to try to you know hit something with a gap power and you know he's going to be the guy that's going to do that instead of trying to to kill Deuce. And Deuce can do it. He's he's very capable of running that a gap power successfully. But it'll be nice to be able to get keep some of those more vicious hits from the defensive tackles off of Deuce, so he's a little bit more free to run around the outside. Mm-hmm. And then, so of course, this is a Kansas State podcast, so we got to talk about special teams. K State got another touchdown last week with a blocked punt. Now that we know they're always dangerous. You know how much do you worry about Missouri when they have to kick or punt it away? Well, we had kind of a, a punting snafu against a guy named Smoke Harris. It was a great punt, got it down to the one, and then he returned it 43 yards. And you're like, uh-oh. But after that, I mean, it was pretty much kind of put in the pocket. So, again, it's Louisiana Tech. It's tough to tell. The thing about winning close games, which I think this game could be a close game, is that, you know, you need good tactics from your coaching staff. You need a good quarterback who can execute. And then you need good special teams to, like, nail the field goal when you need to. And maybe, you know, the question might, you know, Jerry might still be out on drink and his tactical acumen and maybe Brady Cook isn't the best, but we got the biggest, fattest, best kicker in the world with Harrison Nevis. So I, I feel pretty good on his end. And he, you know, he has not missed an extra point. Oh God, where's the wood? I got to, I got to knock on something. Okay, here we go. He has not <laughs> missed an extra point. He is on his career. He's like 21 of 22 on field goals under 40 yards, 19 of 23 for field goals over 40 yards. And he's currently 5'11", 257 pounds. We call him our thicker kicker. He has an NIL deal <laughs> with a thicker kicker burger at one of the bars here in Missouri. It's delicious. <laughs> nice. He is, he's just automatic. And and so if you, if you get him within, you know, the 40 yard line, we're still think field goal. And he's just he's just that good. So I feel pretty good on our special teams on that end. Punt coverage could use a little bit of work, but kick coverage doesn't because we always knock it out the back of the end zone. So I feel okay about special teams. That's kind of been the thing that's always been good on the Drinkwitz. Haven't really been put to the test of the punt returns, but uh, I still I feel pretty good about it, even if it is Kansas State. And JT, speaking of extra points, I mean, Tennant missed one for the first time in his K-State career last week. People were kind of freaking out a little bit. What do you think of him as K-State's kicker this year? Uh, I don't know. Definitely worried. Because he, he missed, I mean, he missed some field goals last year, too, after he'd come in. Right. He's got a big old leg. Yeah, he was 5'8 but... last year. So. Yeah, and he he does have a tendency to push things to the right. Like, even the ones he made, like, they were a little, you know, so... You know, you'd, you'd like to think that, that he could clean that up. It may be a case where they let, like, Ty Zentner do it, the super senior. I mean, he's he's our kickoff mm-hmm. kicker. He's our punter. But he can kick, you know, you know, place kick, too. So, you know, if they're that worried about it. But, you know, they show pretty good confidence in Tenet. But, you know, I'd hate to be something, you know, we've gotten so spoiled with having consistently good kickers over the last 30 years to have a kid like yeah. that. And, you know, he, he's – you know, obviously he's working hard. He's doing something that none of us could do, but to have him struggle like that, you know, and going into a big game like against Missouri and, you know, he comes down to it and K-State loses by three points on a missed field goal or by one point on a mixed extra point, And that's going to put a lot more on that kid. So, you know, for his sake, I hope we can get that figured out. And for the team's sake, I hope we can get that figured out, but it, it definitely a concern right now. Yeah, can you imagine? I mean, if you scored a touchdown, let's say on a 99-yard drive at the end of a game, and then couldn't make the extra point to tie, 
Right. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't be us. Couldn't be us. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so for Kansas State, I mean, when you're talking about after you know, hearing all fall and all, all off season about how this is could be a sleeper team, I think for a lot of fans, we look at this as sort of a barometer to see if K-State's really ready to contend for a Big 12 title. You know, from Mizzou's perspective, what are you hoping to learn from this game? Man, I just I don't like to see him, you know, get on the road and win a game. Uh, again, that's not really been something that this you know, this staff has been able to do. K State, I mean, yeah, I like I like your team a lot. It's very dangerous. It should do a lot of damage in the Big Twelve. Then they could outright win it. You know, I, I do think you all are that good. You know, from our standpoint, we have collected you know two outstanding recruiting classes. But most of our starters are still the holdovers from the Odom years. So, like, okay, what does that mean? Like, are they are is the season vets? Are they ready to win now? You know, or do they have the experience to go on the road and, and win against a tough team? We did not see that last year. Uh, we lost to Boston College on the road. You know, that was our P five non con that, that on the road that we just kind of fell apart at the end. So, I need to see some improvement in road performance. Uh, I want to see some consistency and in, in performance as well. You know, you do so well on the road and then fall apart or do so well at home, fall apart on the road. You know, these young athletes at receiver, what are they going to do in a hostile environment? Can the offensive line put things together? Like I have a laundry list of questions, but really it's just, can you put it all together and win a game against a power five team on the road? If you can do that, man, that that's going to answer a huge question that we've had about the staff. So at least be competitive, pro- hopefully win it. You know, if, if they don't, if they fall apart or it's just a butt kicking, then, you know, you're going to start hearing the calls of, well, you know, what's changed actually. And one of the worst things about football is that, you know, we let the air out of the sails early. There's always some early loss that just has the fan base lose interest, lose momentum. And then you're just, you know, okay, well, we'll see what bowl game we go to and that's it. But this would be huge from a fan base standpoint, from a momentum standpoint, from a program building you know, no pressure, but there's a lot riding on this one for us anyway. Uh, so I can't wait to see, uh, see how they do with you guys. Yeah. And well, I mean, I think, you know, K-State, I think uh, is hoping maybe we can take advantage of a year where big 12 seems to be a little bit down in my opinion. Meanwhile, in the SEC, uh, LSU aside, I mean, Florida beat Utah, Vanderbilt looked a lot more confident than they have in the past. I mean, it seems like it's going to be a pretty strong year in the SEC this year. Yeah, it's uh, something you're worried about. Yeah, it stinks. Yeah, <laughs> Tennessee is is building. You know, I don't, I don't know how Tennessee's actually going to do because you know, like NC State, the worst thing for Tennessee is expectations. But you know, Kentucky is just the most consistent program in the outside of Alabama or Georgia or something like that. Like they they are super consistent. They are built up. Florida is rebuilding, but yeah, they just beat Utah. Tennessee is, you know, light every defense on flyers and fire. South Carolina is a little question mark, but we always, you know, it's always a close game, no matter how good either of our teams are. And then you got Arkansas, which is awesome. You got, you know, it's just, there's just no, there's no break. And so the SEC is always, always tough, always hard. And there isn't a sleepy Georgia or a sleepy Florida, like Missouri took advantage of in 13 and 14 when we won the East, everybody is competent and good. So, you know, at this point, we're like, hey, get to a bowl game, get a winning season, maybe upset a few teams that are better than you. Like so that's kind of what we're looking for because dreaming anything more than that in this SEC, uh, that's that's just setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I think the thing to be most excited about right now as a Mizzou fan, of course, I'm a Mizzou alum, is that they just brought in the school's best recruiting class ever. You know, just how much excitement is there around that? 
and all those guys. I mean, that that's why Drinkwitz has the job security that he does, is that he keeps bringing in awesome yeah. recruiting classes. Now, this one is not as heralded, at least as early. But, yeah, they're bringing in the school's best recruiting class two years in a row. That's what keeps your job. <laughs> and so uh, he needs the results on the field. Uh, the results off the field are obviously very good. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think most of the fans are like, oh, yeah, we can win eight or nine games. I'm like, well, the talent's still, you know, children. Like, they're not they're not in the depth chart yet, but they will be. <laughs> um, so I like to tamper down expectations just a little bit. But, again, it's just get a winning season, get to seven wins. It'd be great if we got to seven during the regular season. Upset a team that you're not supposed to beat and just show what this is. We have not seen a Drinkwitz offense fully fleshed, and he's cycled through three defensive coordinators in three years. So like, I just I want to see what that is. And for me, the, the program build is way more exciting than like the wins-loss record, at least for now. So seeing a very creative offense, seeing an aggressive defense, that is fun. That is cool. And I think that's something we could build around and challenge for the SEC. Probably not this year, but years going forward. So, yeah, I mean, it just sucks that the SEC is good and always will be good, and Georgia's in our division. That that. That stinks. Yeah. Yeah, they looked okay on Saturday. Beating up on Oregon. <laughs> yeah. Pretty pretty okay. Yeah. So, JT, I guess uh, real quick, you know, since we didn't really have a chance to do a season preview podcast this year, just, you know, what are your expectations for this K-State team and what is the minimum to, to avoid disappointment in your eyes? In your eyes? Uh, can't do worse than last year. I mean, that's that's going to be the floor, eight and five, you know, it's – as fans, you know, we're always irrational and you always want more and more and more, you know, even Alabama and Georgia, they want more and more and more, which is somehow possible, I think. At least they think it is. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would expect to win the game this Saturday. That's, you know, that's one of the expectation lists. Yeah. You've got to beat a power five team at home. Like you've got to win those home games. And I mean, Missouri's good, but I mean, if you want to have a better season than, than last season, you've got to beat Missouri at home. You've got to beat Iowa State on the road. You've got to beat Baylor on the road. So, you know, there's those are some some big games that if we want to have a good season. I mean, I I'm very comfortable saying, you know, nine and three is on the table, even ten and two if, you know, things start to fall right. But that starts this weekend. You know, if lose a, to Missouri at home, again, Missouri's a good team, but you lose to Missouri at home. And you're, you're looking at like, well, that's probably a pretty bad omen for, you know, how the rest of things are going to happen in, in Big 12 play. Whereas if we could start 3-0, going to Norman, shock the Sooners again, looking at, you know, probably not losing a game then until, you know, that November 12th game at Baylor, which is, you know, yeah. where we K-State got tripped up in 2012 on their march to a Big I mean, 12 title. We don't title. need to talk about that. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> but it's, you know, there's... It's a different stadium, you know. It's it's a whole different atmosphere now. Heck, even KU's better this year, uh, which is yeah. uh, sad a little and and astonishing. And you know, Lance Leipold's probably not going to be there too much longer. If you know, if, if they are actually if they are actually better, because some Big Ten school is going to come in and drop in, you know, a Brinks truck in front of his house and say, "Yeah, no, you're going to come up here." But you know, it's like Nate was saying with with the SEC, even in the East. Uh, the Big 12 is, you know, there's there's good coaches at every school now. Every program looks like it's it's doing better. Even Texas, with all of its dysfunction, looks like it could actually be decent this year. So, yeah, you know, it's it's going to be a slog. So, just got to start. But even even at that, I still think nine and three, ten and two is on the table comfortably. But it, you know, just they have to play the way they're capable of, and avoid a yeah. couple of key injuries. <laughs> 
Yeah, you talk Knock about KU. You know, when they had like Charlie Wise or Les Miles, huh. I mean, so easy to hate. You know, but then I know Lance Leipold. It's like, oh, I kind of like that guy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in another harder, world, you know? like, yeah, he's a good coach. You know, <laughs> he just happens to be wearing the yeah. wrong color. Mm-hmm. So. I got a question for you off of that, Nate. I mean, I don't know if you watched any of the, the backyard brawl on Thursday, but that was a great atmosphere, you know, a really fun kind of kind of terrible fun college football game. Did it make you long for the days of KU Missouri a little bit? Man, it doesn't take Pitt, West Virginia for me to long for Borg yeah, yeah. Like yeah. man. We played them in basketball last year, and I know we had yeah. them on the on the schedule like in a couple of years. Man, I just like, I get that Big 12 was kind of salty that we left, uh, you know, like, you know, Nebraska and A&M and Missouri, like, yeah, screw you guys. Like, wow. You know, I understand. I understand the sentiment, but to then take away something that your fan base wants like badly, um, yeah. that's, that's stinks. And Missouri was open to it. I know Mike Alden was reaching out to try and get it set up. I know uh, Jim Sterk, our, our former AD, I know Desiree Reed, Francois, our current one. You know, they, they've been working really hard to get Kansas back on the schedule. And Kansas just kept saying, no, 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 uh, like because they're a bunch of jerkheads, right? Um, so, <laughs> like, it seems very petty to take away the border war because you're mad that we went to a different conference. Um, yeah. So I, I've never understood the, the logic behind it because it's clearly something everybody wants. You look at the zoo's mentions, anytime they win, there's some Kansas person saying, you know, where are you dunk in Kansas? I'm like, really? Okay. Uh, you don't care about us at all, right? Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, and so you know, we've, we've openly wanted it, and this administration, the three administrations have been trying to get it back, and, you know, we're finally going to get there. But there is nothing better than, for me, than Missouri-Kansas. Uh, just just not. And to take that away is, is childish, and, and uh, Kansas should be ashamed of themselves. So I feel pretty confident saying that on a, on a Wildcat podcast so I, yeah for sure for sure and i think that, i think it, we should blame bill self a lot too because it's fun to do yeah bill yeah. self's a jerk yeah yeah that guy that's something that that's that to me too with the backyard brawl is that like these big long like heated rivalries have have often been forgotten about in the realm of of realignment and chasing the almighty dollar and you know, yeah, sure. OU Texas is going to go, but OU Texas isn't as crazy as Bedlam, you know. And OU Oak State's probably not going to play for a while once OU leaves the conference, just because again, Oklahoma State's going to feel hurt by OU leaving. They, I know they are. And you know, it took this long even for K State Missouri to get back to, to playing again. Mm-hmm. We still haven't played Colorado, you know, stuff like that. So it's you know, we played Texas A&M in a bowl game and, you know, K-State fans were excited about that. Like, yeah, we're going to take it to A&M. And sure enough, we did. And but I hate that we're we lose out on these these old heated rivalries just just because, mm-hmm. you know, our collective schools want to make another 10 or 15 million dollars a year. And I understand yeah. what they're trying to do. They're trying to run a business. But at the same time, it's yeah. it sucks being a fan yeah. like. Yeah, I, I a mean, K State fan, want to see the border war. Like, I want to see KU yeah. Missouri play because it's always entertaining. Just like mm-hmm. I watched most of the backyard brawl because it was entertaining mm-hmm. watching these yeah. two schools that hate each other going at it on the field. Like, it's it, that's what yeah. college well, you, sports you know, are all about. Absolutely. You know, teams that teams like Colorado and Nebraska, box. you don't want to hurt your you don't want to hurt your strength of schedule too much playing playing them. The Buffalo well, yeah. These days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, we're playing KU in the, the SEC. 
playing in the SEC, we need as many easy wins as we can get. So, yeah, we'd love to play Kansas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Nate, last thing before we let you go, prediction time. Mine came out today. I think it's K-State by eight and a half. What do you see happening Saturday? Uh, I think it's going to be close. I mean, for both of our sakes, I hope it's not a blowout in any direction. Uh, it's, uh, games are better when they're close. Uh, the wind means more when it's close. You know, you guys got, you got a veteran squad. Really, it come, to, to me, it comes down to the passing game because our secondary is pretty unproven and Adrian Martinez doesn't have the best track record of throwing the ball. If Martinez is hitting dimes, game over, <laughs> game over. But if you have another, you know, 15 pass performance and he gets like six or seven of those completed, like, yeah, that doesn't really tell me anything. It's all about how, how is he doing on the ground? Because like Deuce Vaughn is going to get his, there's no way Missouri stops him like for any kind of amount of, of, of competency. Uh, you know, he'll probably get two touchdowns. He'll probably get a hundred yards and that's going to be frustrating as hell. Uh, the difference is just going to be, you know, do our, our receivers, are they enough to kind of either keep up or break the game open? And is our running game able to keep pace? And I'm not totally sure how it's going to go. I'm terrible at predictions. So I'll say, uh, I don't know, 27, 24 Mizzou last second field goal from me is from like 48 yards away. Okay. All right, JT, and how much is K-State going to win by? Um, I, <laughs> uh, the irrational fan of me says spreads a good number, you know, probably, you know, 10. The K-State fan in me says that's eight and a half is way too many, and I think it's going to be a three, four, seven point kind of game. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you'll be there. I'll be there. Looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. Nate, you want to plug your podcast or Twitter or anything? Before yeah, you know? follow me at Nate G. Edwards. I don't know how many K-State guys want to follow Mizzou Sports, but I'll, I'll tweet about <laughs> it. Podcast is is Rock M Nation Podcast. My show is called Before the Box Score. So, yeah, if you, if you want to learn anything about Missouri, uh, I got you covered. You can follow me there. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, so, for coming on. Yeah, thanks, JT. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate.